All right, everybody, thanks for listening to Mental Health Monday, where we aim to provide an open space for dialogues about a number of mental health topics and how folks are being affected on local, state, and national levels. Guests and topics on the show range from psychiatrists, psychologists, school drug and grief counselors, and any other professionals in the field. Testimonials from those affected by mental health issues, such as students, veterans, first responders, and more. And we also hear from folks who are organizing events around the community that promote or bring awareness to mental health issues with the main goal being normalizing these mental health dialogues. As I mentioned before the break, we're in studio today with Representative Lloyd Larson, here to talk about his role as chairman on the Mental Health Task Force, as well as the Governor's Mental Health Summit. Uh, it's extremely important work that uh, they're doing. Um, Representative Larson's going to kind of talk about uh, the, the formation of the group, how uh, he got involved, what their areas of focus are, and uh, what are the biggest concerns in the mental health realm uh, on a political level and what they're doing at a state level to address them. But before we get into uh, those topics for today, uh, Representative Larson, how are we doing this morning? It's a nice day here today. Jeez, it, wonderful outside. It really is. We want to talk about mental health. This is the the mental health uh, wash that we needed. the Gilead right here. It is. It is. Uh, Good stuff. One of our contributors, uh, a photo contributors, just shared some uh, beautiful photos of uh, all the flowers blooming in Sinks Canyon. So yeah, if you need if you need uh, a respite from the long winter on a, on a mental health level, now's the time to get out in the nature and enjoy it. But uh, aside from the beauty of our area helping with uh, any issues that folks might have, uh, you're serving as a very important role um, for the Mental Health Task Force. And if you wouldn't mind just giving us a background info, how did this group form? Uh, was it from the Mental Health Summit or were they kind of in conjunction with each other? I, I think the genesis of the Mental Health Task Force, Vince, is really is a precursor to the Mental Health Summit that the governor had. We've been involved in a redesign of our behavioral health and how uh, we provide mental health services to the citizens of the state through our community mental health uh, programs, uh, our community mental health providers around the state. And as we've done that uh, behavioral health redesign over the last two years, we've had a mental health subcommittee that I've chaired to put into place um, the, the redesign efforts with the help of the stakeholders, the community mental health providers like um, uh, Fremont Counseling and those other um, providers around the state. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <clears throat> I've also, <clears throat> also, I was, uh, as you know, the chairman of the the state health facilities task force where we uh, redesigned and constructed a new state hospital in Evanston and a new campus up here at the Life Resource Center. And so Correct. all of those things tie in together and have laid a foundation. And as we've laid that foundation, we've identified other gaps in our mental health services. And um, so this year, after the governor's uh, summit last fall, the legislature um, decided to create a mental health task force to see if we couldn't continue on with some of this effort to identify gaps in our system in develop policy develop the role of the state in providing some of these services um, where we where we see gaps and so this committee was or this task force was created with legislative members uh, agency directors we've got department of health department of corrections we've got supreme court the uh, department of family services 
and all as members of the task force. We had our first meeting um, a, a week or so ago to kind of get the ball rolling. You <clears throat> mentioned in your intro about <clears throat> how we're anxiously engaged in the prevention of, of mental health issues, and that's true. And we are. We're trying to get out in front and and be more aggressive in preventing mental health. But mm-hmm, mm-hmm. currently, we need to respond. There's a lot of mental health uh, challenges out there that we aren't out in front of, and we are headed down a road where there's no policy or no role of the state. And we need to react to that. And once we, if we can get that in place, I think that positions the state better to get out in front and do more prevention. More prevention, and there's things like the the mental health summit. Uh, how many of those have they been have had they put on? Uh, was was this the first one this past year? So they've had two. We had one just recently, about three weeks ago in Casper. That was the second one, with the first one being a year ago. Okay, and it was kind of a follow up to say where you know to bring stakeholders, nonprofits, legislators, the executive branch together, kind of in a holistic conversation of saying what do we need to do where are we at and this last one uh, there were panel discussions on what what steps has, have we staking have we taken moving forward and I think uh, I think you'll continue to see that um, happen and and so while those conversations are taking place this task force is off really digging into the heart of the problems and trying to find solutions that we can put into place statutorily that will help across the state in providing mental health services. And now with your job and with your roles, uh, with your role as chairman and and your uh, exposure with the the Mental Health Summit, you kind of have um, a, a POV of the mental health issues that are facing our state that a lot of people don't have, and you're addressing those concerns with the task force. You mentioned uh, four areas of focus that you guys are kind of uh, 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 honing in on. Uh, what, what are those areas, and what are those gaps that you were mentioning before? Thanks. Uh, it, you know, when I, as I go into why and, and what it is we're approaching, I think depending on where you sit professionally or as a citizen of the state, your view of mental health needs is is different. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so when we looked at the, the horizon on mental health issues and things that need to be addressed, <clears throat> we, we were aware of several things that were either more pressing or that due to the other work that we'd done were ripe for attention. That, and, and by that, not meaning that they were more important than anything else, but it's just that some of the preliminary work that has already been done, which allowed us then to uh, take it by the lead rope and, and take it across the finish line. Where some of the other something. ones, you're starting below ground a little bit. You've got to right, work your way up. Right, still trying to identify. And so... <clears throat> the four areas that we're really focusing on is is on vulnerable adults. Um, as our population ages, we find our older adults sometimes um, encountering mental health challenges that come on with getting older. Mm-hmm. You know, you see me raise my hand. <laughs> can't re- can't remember everything that we'd like to, but sometimes that uh, there will be other mental health challenges and. 
we have a very weak, vulnerable adult statute. So if people are taken advantage of or if a, an adult looking at Lloyd Larson all of a sudden um, is maybe not taking care of him or his um, himself or things around him very well, is there a cause for concern? And if there's an emergency, if we find that that Lloyd Larson all of a sudden is is living alone and his neighbor finds that he is really living in a fashion that is uncharacteristic, he's living in squalor, he's walking around maybe at odd hours and mm-hmm. doing odd things, is there what what can we do to address that? What can we do to pr- ensure that he he's safe and that um, services are available to keep him safe and allow him to live um, in a, a manner that that is warranted? And we really don't have anything really designed. Department of Family Services oversees vulnerable adults so if there's exploitation take they're being taken advantage of financially or their assets somehow are being manipulated we've we've passed a couple of bills on that but it's really we haven't got it conformed to where agencies and law enforcement and in the judicial system are hitting on all the cylinders to get that done. So there's a, there was a task force on this in the Meade administration in 2017 that <clears throat> when they were finished, they just kind of put the report on the shelf. We've come up, we've brought that out, dusted it off, and we're looking at some of the definitions, some of the statutory, statutory changes that they recommended, and we're, we're looking at that. But then we're also digging in and saying, in throughout the state, if there's an individual that's older <clears throat> and they need emergency services they need a place to, a shelter mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or or food and what resources are available to help keep them safe and so we're digging into that to see if we can provide a structure so that people in big piney or farson or uh matitsis ten sleep some of these smaller communities that really don't have a lot of resources can have access to something and and know that there's <clears throat> at least a a resource in the state that they can go to to uh, provide help for them. So we're trying to get that resolved. The other <clears throat> important thing that we're trying to do, and this has been a um, a judiciary effort, is that we have people who oftentimes come into the court system that have committed maybe a misdemeanor or sometimes serious felonies but the focus here really is on misdemeanors but uh, they've got mental health issues or substance abuse issues they um, and so is the right place for this person who has a mental illness or a substance abuse issue is the right place for him in a jail you know what and what is that resolving and that's always such a common common issue because you have people who do have mental health issues or substance abuse issues but uh and i don't want to say it this way but they're they're um, they're, they're functioning substance abuse folks so they're they're out there they still have a job but they're still abusing these substances and then do will they fit in to that type of um 
that setting if they're like you said if they're in a jail they're still receiving uh uh care but then is that the right place for them are they gonna uh have some negative connotations with that care or maybe not even seek it out but is it the care they need right right and so uh chief justice fox took um, a group of us to miami right after the legislative session in in march miami the city of miami uh, has created a model that they've been using now for a couple of decades that diverts people who come in who've been arrested for a crime and before they're adjudicated if it's determined that they've got a mental illness or substance abuse the judge then has the ability to divert them away from the judicial system if the person's willing to go into treatment and in treatments broad it could be getting back on your medications getting evaluated uh, getting help with maybe your substance abuse, your substance abuse disorder, um, and it's worked very, very well. And so we don't have that in Wyoming. We can do what we call a 301 or 1037 and, and you know, uh, give them a, a out-of-jail-free card if they do some things, but it's not consistent. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and so that's the second thing we're looking at, and we've got... Uh, are be, will be putting into place a pilot program in Campbell County because those oh, wow. two, those two ju- district court judges were with us in Miami, are uh, are excited about um, looking how to implement that kind of a program, and so <clears throat> it'll really be important because uh, what we've done with our behavioral health real redesign that's really kind of laid a foundation on providing the resources when you divert that person away from the judicial system to getting the services they need to help them. Mm-hmm. But there's probably some things we don't know. There's probably some components of, of how it fits Wyoming that we need to learn. So we want to do this pilot program. And I think that by the end of this summer, you'll see that in place in Gillette. We'll watch that for a period of time. Our judicial system, along with the Department of Health, are really um, – driving that vehicle and and putting that into place. And then the task force is here to probably most importantly to stay out of the road. Right. But just to facilitate the contact. But if there's, if there's something that they need statutorily, we can make that recommendation back to the legislature, make any changes, but really to be a resource to help get that involved. So that's the second thing. The third thing really, the last two things really focus on our young people Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. in our state at any one time. Well, um, at any one time we have, um, children who have difficult behavioral, you know, whether they're, um, it's autism or a variety of other behavioral um, challenges, schizophrenia and, and things of that nature. Sometimes these are, these behaviors are acute enough that they're difficult to um, have in a home setting or in your local school district, mm-hmm, and so mm-hmm. how do how do you provide those services? And our system in the state <clears throat> is designed with um, regional treatment facilities and psychiatric regional treatment facilities, which take these kids that have behavioral challenges and are referred to by uh, referred 
um, through the school district or through uh, if they're uh, court ordered through the Department of Family Services. Uh, they do a wonderful job in providing uh, a system to help resolve these issues. However, even within that system at any one time, we have 15 to 20 young people, you know, early adolescents up to age 18, whose behaviors are so difficult that our providers can't take care of them other than our regional, our psychiatric regional treatment facilities, which I'll refer to as a, a PRTF. Okay. We have that's St. Joseph's in Torrington and, and Wyoming Behavioral Institute in Casper, but they may not have room. Right. That's okay. been a very, very consistent issue. I, I've interviewed a number of folks from WBI um, for this series, and that is one of their constant concerns is we just we don't have the resources. We off, they off time don't have the room. And so so then what do you do with this kid? So you have you have a, uh, an adolescent person, child that is so difficult behavior that nobody at, at home or at school in the community can take care of him, and we don't have the role of the state defined, and we don't have a policy. So to keep the child safe, at best, they either end up in a county jail or the emergency room at a hospital, and in some cases at the boys' school or girls' school, which mm -hmm. is for delinquency, not for behavioral. They haven't committed a crime. And then imagine being uh, that kid in that position who now feels uh, criminalized exactly. to some degree, and it's uh, you, your, your mental health issues, you should never feel like it's uh, going against the law. It, exactly. And so then in those settings, again, they're not getting the help they really need. And so we're trying to define the role of the state and say when these situations arrive you don't you don't get to pick the time of day the day of the week the season of the year it happens and we need to be able to respond quickly and provide this temporary placement for these kids where they will be safe where they will continue getting the necessary or the the appropriate care for their behavioral challenges and continue to get the educational needs that they have until a more permanent setting or placement can be found where that may be in a PRTF that may be in a group home someplace that may be that may even be out of state in a facility that specializes in the type of behavioral care that this child has but until that can get defined what do we do with them mm -hmm. and the jail the girls school or the emergency room is not the place and so we're we're working very hard and we will come out with a definition of saying this is what the state's role is and provide a place where around the state where if this child meets this criteria that they can go to the department we've we've got a group of senior administrators in department of education department of health and department of family services that can react very quickly they just need to have the place for the individual to go so that's we're working on that and that's it's a it's a small population
It's a small population, but first for my little bit of work in the school system, when uh, a child who's experiencing mental health issues is in the environment that's best for their style of learning, they flourish. And if they don't, they don't, they truly don't. And then it can become combative and it can lead to worse situations or end up in the criminal uh, setting at some point. That's that's, uh, refreshing to hear that that's being addressed on that level too. Then what was the last? uh, And and the last one is is to a more broader approach to uh, mental health needs in the K-12 school system. We're just finding more and more um, of our students are coming forth during the day uh, with to teachers and identifying challenges that they're having. Uh, these are not kids that that have uh, that are in special education per se. They these are kids that are every day going to school, but there's issues in their life, whether it be anxiety, depression, mm-hmm. uh, self harm type mm-hmm. things that nobody maybe at home or around the community may know. And, and for, you know, it always seems to come out and be identified at school. They, um, uh, they confide in a teacher, a counselor, but then how do we get them the services? And we, uh, our department of education has really done an incredible job over the last couple of years with some of the federal funds that have come in to education to do some pilot programs of which Fremont County School District number one here in Lander is participating where they've contracted with Path Behavioral Health to provide. um, Is that the SAMHSA grant? Well, it's a SAMHSA grant through the Department of Education that has been awarded to Fremont County School District number one that is paying for these services where they're providing a counselor in the school. Mm-hmm. Okay. They, and, and there's several of those that are around the state, Fremont County one being one of them. And then they've, um, and so as we look at that, the importance of that too is to say, as we do these pilot programs, is this the model that works long term, then how do we sustain it? Because right now it's being funded through a federal grant. It's, are the feds going to come out with more money that do that long term? Does the state does the state deal with it more on a long term sustainability? Do you put that as part of the education funding model inside and outside the grant? Uh, or do you do it with contract services, perhaps through the community mental health providers in the community and have that just be a resource that they then provide. And we're kind of working through that. The work that the Department of Education has done so far has really laid some great groundwork. We see the success. Mm-hmm. Uh, the results are The results are really good. But how do we sustain it? And what's the model for sustaining is what we're and so you can see how that's kind of fits into this low hanging fruit. There's a lot of work being done, but we just need to do make some recommendations to the legislature on how we sustain that to that. And then you you define it because right now they're doing some models that the the counseling is available to the students and and some um, pilot programs is it's to their students and perhaps even to some siblings that are younger that are still at home. There, there's some thoughts that maybe it ought to be to the students and their whole family. Um, 
I, I think how that model really looks, I don't know that it's really the role of the state to provide counseling to the family as a whole, particularly when we've done the community, uh, the behavioral health redesign that says if the family is at risk of, uh, or in crisis, they can refer that uh, family to a community mental health center and get counseling and treatment there. So let's not plow the field twice. Right, right. Okay. In, in providing services to this, this group of this portion of the population. So those are the those areas that we'll be focusing on, Vince, and um, be happy to visit with any of the constituents that have concerns. Is this is this all of them? Heavens no. No, no. Heavens no. And that's what I appreciate you taking the dive into those specific ones too. And we are about running out of time on here, but I did want to ask um, about um, our, our indigenous population, um, if that's going to be an area of focus, or if there's already um, uh, a separate group that uh, is a, a mental health for indigenous uh, issues, because uh, it's different. It's 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 a different set of issues for a different uh, for a different group. And uh, is that going to be one of the other areas of focus? I would push back a little bit and saying all of those issues we've identified are really applicable across the state, regardless of population. If you look at uh, vulnerable adults issues on for our tribal members, bingo, it fits. Mm -hmm. if, if you look at diversion for mental health or substance abuse away from the court system, bingo, that fits. If you look at this population of adolescents with high behavioral needs, a good percentage of those 15 to 20 are Native American youth. And so that fits. Mental health challenges in the K-12, that fits. So are there are there unique issues um, uh, that uh, are unique to our tribal citizens? <clears throat> I think, but I think collectively these fit very well. And I guess a uh, unique or special one may have been a bad way of wording it too, but it's it's a heavier concentration uh, of of those issues. Um, yeah, and I, and I think that there's an argument that. That may be due to lack of services, right? And so all of that conversation is relevant. So how do we make sure that we have services for these particular issues are available, whether you're in Ethity or Farson? Right. Right? And in coordinating those efforts. So uh, there's, <clears throat> there's plenty to do. Plenty to do. And uh, once again, I just really appreciate you uh, taking the time to talk with us about how how you guys are going about this. And like you said, it's it's the it's kind of pilot programs for a lot of these. It's the beginning stages for the task force. Um, is there anything that our listeners and eventual readers should know about uh, what's coming up next for the task force or uh, the next mental health summit? Uh, our next mental health summit. And I can't remember the exact date. I want to say maybe the 12th or so. In July, we'll be here in Lander. It'll be at the uh, um, the school district office building. Um, so the public is, of course, welcome. You can go on to the legislative website and look under select committees and find the mental health task force and get um, the resources, the information that we've been using. It's very, there's a lot, and it's, uh, but it's divided amongst the, the various four topics. Uh, but it's available as people want to 
look and read. And, and finally, I would just say that, boy, you know, I've been Superintendent Joanne Flanagan has just been incredible in helping me work through some of this. As Scott Hayes at Fremont Counseling and our corrections. And I, I mean, people are you know, here in Fremont County are serious mm -hmm. about responding to these crises, but really focused on somehow getting out in ahead of these challenges and, and provide an atmosphere that will prevent this the, the acute challenges that come with, with mental health, mental illness. And that's huge because so much of it is preventable. Um, Representative Larson, uh, once again, thank you. Uh, was there anything else that you wanted to get out to our listeners before we let you get out of here today? Mowing lawn is good therapy. Uh, <laughs> I've, I, I said that multiple times. Uh, as the first person that complains about doing yard work after this winter we just had, I'm, they're probably going to get socked in the jaw by me. <laughs> but uh, thanks again for coming in today. We really do appreciate it. And uh, we'll be back with more coffee time after a quick word from our sponsors.